Welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. This is episode 92. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Zach. Welcome to the podcast where we hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. Absolutely. So what are we doing today, Zach? So it was a rather big uh, event over the weekend. The first time we've had an organized race, it feels like literally since March, I think, uh, since we've seen some of the more professional athletes go around. It was the London Marathon. So the London Marathon run in very different circumstances. So we're going to go a little bit deep on that and do a bit of a recap episode of some of the stuff we saw during the women's and the men's marathon and what we learned from it and took away from it. Totally. Uh, But of course, as always, before that, we want to get into some of the shout outs that make the Breaking the Barrier community, the Breaking the Barrier community, all of you out there going above and beyond. So firstly, we're going to start with Isabel. Now, actually, one of our other members of the Breaking the Barrier community posed a question in the Facebook community group, and he said, with just under 100 days left of the year, how is it all going? What are you looking forward to? And I I liked this answer uh, from Isabel. So Isabel had this to say, wow, the year feels like it has gone quick in some respects and slow in others. For me, I'll be working on my fitness along with mindfulness, trying to enjoy more of the present rather than worrying about the past and future. This year has highlighted that I need to focus on this skill. Mindset impacts our training, no doubt. So I hope to get in a better headspace because as I finish my undergrad at uni and start a job next year, I hope it's a positive ending to 2020 for everyone. Boom. Excellent. That, that mindset is so important. I think as you'll hear us yeah. talk about when we go into the London Marathon, headspace and being in a good space mentally is just so important. It can you know, set the tone for the rest of your day and have such an impact over what you do physically as well. Absolutely. And as I have always preached, mindfulness, even a few minutes every day, is just a great way to focus on the present and, and get rid of any anxiety, at least for the for that moment, which is a big relief for some. Yeah. So thanks to Karthik for posting that in the Facebook community to get people you know, answering with questions and also to Isabel for responding. Andrew, you also asked people how they were going during the course of the week. And uh, we had Lenny respond. Lenny said, yeah, going good. Still clocking up the Ks running and doing Zoom workouts. Can't wait for the gyms to open, though, but doing what I can in the meantime. Hope you're traveling good, buddy. Zoom workouts, that's a whole new thing that didn't exist six months ago, and now they're everywhere. No, they're everywhere. I think, uh, actually, Andy and Maria have, uh, through Melbourne University, I think through Melbourne University, they, they do, like, Les Mills stuff online every morning, and it's all, like, I don't know if it's Zoom or if it's just pre-recorded, but yeah, a lot of Zoom workouts are happening. I think it's great. I think it's an awesome thing. Yeah, anything you can do to keep moving and keep activated and you know get some inspiration from anywhere is is great. So good on you, Lenny. Well done. Totally, and it just it it gives you into that mindset that you know got to do what you can with what you can. So that's awesome, man. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk to, of course, what would the Breaking the Barrier podcast be without a shout out to Dean? So here we go again. Must here be we go Dean again. Moment. Yep. <laughs> so Dean actually is one of our resident motivators, and Dean posted this in the Breaking the Barrier community group. Hey, gang, hope you're all well. What have you been up to over the weekend? 
I just finished my Sunday long run and discovered it was my 34th half marathon for this year. It just goes to show how much you can grow and progress in a fairly short time frame if you just believe in yourself. I hope you're all getting out there chasing your dream and giving it a good go. Never give up. Love that. 34 half marathons this year. And and you know what I love about our members is that they're all they all kind of sign off with a, you know, a selfless kind of statement. Like, I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're all traveling well. Go get it. Give it a go. Never give up. Love that all. There's a lot of pay it forward happening there, which is fantastic. So yeah. good on you, Dean, still trying to crack in and take over as the third co-host on this podcast, it seems. Uh, you get more <laughs> shout outs and updates on you than we do about ourselves, but that's fine. Seriously. We love you, mate. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, and finally, in shout outs this week, what a hear one from Stephen, who had this on the Facebook community. My daughter was born last weekend, so I did my first mile time trial in 10 years and wow. have just been getting the miles in when I can. I hope that time trial wasn't getting the kid to the hospital on time. Maybe that would have been, you know, a rather important relay. I think I think that there's a correlation there. He's, uh, the child was born on the run. <laughs> the child started coming a mile away and then, bang, <laughs> time trial to get it to the hospital on time. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um but Stephen also loves that it's cooling off where he lives and loves the chance quarantine is giving him to stay home with his girl. But he's still race training, though. So getting it all done, multitasking, Amazing. new dad and race training. I wonder where Stephen's from. He must be on the Northern Hemisphere. Do we know, Stephen? I would seem to remember it's the Northern Hemisphere, yes. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, cool. Nice. Very nice. So Very thanks nice. to everyone for posting in the Facebook community. You can find that on Breaking the Barrier podcast on Facebook. We've also got the Instagram, Breaking the Barrier podcast, uh, and Facebook Normal. Yeah, just places. You can find us. <laughs> it's in the show notes. Yeah, it's episode 92, it people. We're not telling oh. you. Listen, if, you, if you're new, you're reading everything. If you've been here for 91 episodes before this, you know the deal. That's right. And if you don't, start paying attention. Practice mindfulness. Yeah. Be in the moment. <laughs> so before we jump into london andrew uh anything you've been doing interesting over the last little bit oh you know what uh, i've been i've been really going gung-ho with my melbourne superman page i'm up to 800 followers on that which is awesome what was once getting you know 15 and 20 likes a post i'm one of my posts is almost one of my first posts is almost at 300 likes so that's like it's really good i'm finding the uh fans are loyal um and it's just a great way to stay positive and start networking with new people, like I've said before. And it's just, you know, it's a lot of work. I probably spend right now, because I am trying to, you know, I always look at social media as a business. I I am trying to grow it. So I'm probably on and engaging and commenting for a few hours, probably more every day. But again, still spreading that positive um, message and, and trying to, because for me, I don't want the cosplay to just be cosplay, and that's fine if it is for some people. But for me, I want it to be sort of like a an extension of breaking the barrier, uh, yep. where I can promote the positivity, the life coaching, the mindfulness, that sort of thing. Uh, so that's great. Uh, that's going really well. I've, I've, I've got like three or four new suits coming, um, which is crazy. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, in terms of my working out, it's only taken like three years of working with this trainer, but he's finally introduced a treat day for me. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. That's actually, I'm going to do that today. So basically now, uh, we're talking I'll, I'll about you. the rock level treat day with like no. you know, 24 pancakes and no. whatever so else I'll, he does. No, I'm going to go into, so that's basically, it's interesting. That's what I wanted to talk about. So basically the treat, uh, we're going to be doing, uh, is 
we're looking at, you know, healthy foods. We're not going crazy. And and what I would say to people is, you know, if you do want that cheat meal, you know, throughout the week, obviously wait a while until you're where you're at, if you can, uh, in terms of what you want to be, what you've reached your goal, that sort of thing. Uh, but for me, my, my treat meal will be relatively healthy-ish. So right now I've got a roast chicken in the oven waiting for me. Um, and I haven't had roast chicken in such a long time. For me, you know, like a rotisserie style chicken, I'm so looking forward to that. Not that I starve myself or deprive myself, but it's just something different. It's a little bit greasy, but, you know, uh, we, we decided that because it's been so long, something like that can actually benefit. You know, if you're at that level, if you're at a level, um, you know. Chicken's a, a lean protein source for a lot of people. Like a lot of people rely on chicken as part of their, their meal yeah. routine and their nutrition routine yeah. with the macros so, and everything exactly so it is a great healthy way to have a treat obviously the skin is not something that normally you would want to eat but uh and it's got a lot of sodium because it's rotisserie chicken and, and it's got the grease and everything but and i'm not trying to toot my own horn here but once you get to a certain level I, i've gotten to a certain level with my fitness and my physique that these treats can actually help me um because again not to sound like a total wank but i'm at that stage where i'm above average in terms of my physique so wank means the same for you as an american as it does for us right this isn't like a rooting thing where it means one thing for you and a different thing for us and you're talking about Mm -hmm. rooting all the time and we're just sort of laughing wank's the same thing on both sides of the ocean basically i just called myself a jerk off yeah okay cool awesome (laughs) just 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 Um, for the record just for the record but I guess the point of this is is, is that, you know, I, I always talk to people about their, you know, because obviously I'm a fitness advisor, nutrition advisor, life coach. Um, they always talk to me about wanting a cheat day and this and that. And my answer to them is, well, you, especially if you're at the beginning of your journey and you've kind of gone the overweight route, my word to you is a word of caution because basically – not to sound harsh, but every day has been a cheat day. So getting onto a new nutrition plan and introducing a treat day right away, not a great idea um, because it won't ever give you the opportunity to, you know, to improve. For me, it's taken three years for my, to of, you know, ups and downs, but the last year and a half has been really consistent for my trainer to finally say, all right, let's, let's actually do this. Like obviously uh, the ups and downs, there have been cheat days in there, but now that I've been as consistent as I have been, he's like, all right, let's actually regiment this, which is cool. Um, so that's that. Uh, in terms of my running, still going twice a day. I've started going, uh, adding a little bit of rather than just high-intensity interval in the morning, maybe two days a week, I'll do just like a 15-minute th- uh, like time trial. So just, you know, flat out, not flat, flat out, but maybe... 424 30 kilometer and just hold mm-hmm. that for the 3k and feel pretty good about it um awesome yeah so all guns are blazing man yeah i saw a photo of you you took a photo of your back the other day i, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed something wrong with it it's all lumpy and there's stuff bulging <laughs> out of it everywhere it's uh yeah you won't like my back when it's angry it's yeah. <laughs> back no, smash. but that was what was the difference between those two photos? Was that six months? Was that all done in lockdown? That was all in lockdown, yes. Yeah. So basically, um, for those of you who don't know, who haven't seen that picture, the, the left side of me was at the beginning of lockdown. I was in the middle of a, uh, a lat pull down, and there's not a whole – I mean, it wasn't bad, but there's no real muscle broad. definition. 
It was broad, but yeah, no muscle was, definition. Yeah. Um, and then the one on the right, it's lumpy. It's like it's lumpy. It's muscly, yeah. and I'm like, wow, cool. <laughs> I, my back looks like an alien. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that and that's with um. That's mainly with home workouts, isn't it? Because we haven't had gyms, as per Lenny's yeah. post. Uh, you've had to do that just with home workouts and home equipment and stuff. Yeah, the past, I think. So, what, when did gyms close? In February, March, February. Yeah, eighteen hundreds, something like that. Something like, like that. Gone for that long. Yeah. Yeah, and in all this time, I think I've been to the gym for two of those weeks when they reopened for ten seconds or or yeah. two weeks. Um, and so, yeah, it's all been home home workouts and um, very impressive. Yeah, you know. I've just been really focused on, I've really had that Joe DeSena mindset in either you come out of this thing fitter or, you know, or you take steps backwards, right? So I've been really staying focused and um, I put out a mini about it the other day. You know, you just got to work with what you have and and stop looking at the negatives. You know, yeah, we're in lockdown, but what can you do to move forward um, within your own self? Cool. It's been, yeah, it's been a lot of Words fun. of inspiration for everyone. Here's hoping. Hmm. What do you got um, going on, man? Well, pretty much nothing much. So the ultra virtual ultra I've been doing from, yeah. which is trying to get people from Sydney to Melbourne, so one thousand and six kilometers over a hundred days. I'm about day thirteen into that and going pretty well. I've just done a hundred and seventy four kilometers or so this morning. So wow. you know. Wait. I, no, what? no, in total, like all up. So over oh. the 13 days, I finally <laughs> got 174 kilometers. Right on. Um, so, so that's good, moving pretty well. Um, you only need to average 10 kilometers a day to get it done in, in the 100 days. So I'm, I'm well above uh, where I need to be for that. Um, someone's already finished, though. So someone did the 1,000 kilometers in 10 days. That's Went crazy. out there. Insane. Absolutely insane. Obviously, so, they're not under restrictions. Yes, no, they're running in regional Victoria. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, we've just launched, uh, the people who are tracking the event just launched like version two of the website and they had to apologize to the first guy because they're like, there's all these features which we were going to drop over the next couple of weeks and we expected people to be running a little bit longer than the first week and a half. So you're not going to get any of those cool features of the website or the virtual event that we've decided to do because you just went out and banged it out in 10 days. It was just that absolutely sucks. astonishing. He was Slow and steady. Yeah, yeah. He was at 300 after like two days. That's insane. It was, it was just crazy. It was just absolutely insane. He just decided Jesus. he wanted to go do it in um, 10 days. That was his goal. Like like some of us decided to do the bright 10 by 10. That was a goal. His was the same except a lot more. Yeah, and a lot faster. Yeah. And it's not like he was running, you know, seven or eight minute kilometers. He was running four minute something kilometers. No, because you'd have to because to, that's what, 100 kilometers a day. Yeah. Yeah. You're running, even if you're doing a six-minute kilometer, that's still a 10-hour day. Yeah, no, he was doing seven-hour days or so. So he was running quite a bit faster than a six-minute kilometer. Wow. So just absolutely astonishing. Um, so it goes to show that, you know, I look at that and that's something. Now, he's obviously a very, very good runner. But he would yeah. not be, I'd assume, able to run what we saw in London just over the weekend. So it just goes to show you that you can find someone, there's always someone in your wheelhouse or in your immediate area who you can get inspiration from and you know that was absolutely inspiring to me if if a little nuts at the same time there's always a bigger fish there's always a bigger fish yeah and then apart from that just the big thing that came out today um just covid wise kids are finally going back to school next week we yeah, can are you finally excited? oh mate 
I, I, you know, you, my wife came running into the room with the phone, waving it, going, look, 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 look. And they can finally go back to school from next Monday. So we have four more days of trying to help them do learning at home. I'm not going to call it just, homeschooling. Yeah. Cause, I, I, I cause, can see you like on the streets. If anybody's like not doing the right thing. Hey, just yep. put that mask back on. I want my kids to go back to school. I cannot have them come back home, everyone. We're all in this together for me right now because <laughs> I just, you know, I took a day off today and I'm like, why did I take a day off today? I should have taken a day off next week when they've actually gone back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, they're finally going back. So fingers crossed, things keep going. I mean, we're still two weeks away from that next lifting of restrictions here in Melbourne. And some of the numbers are looking a little bit sticky in terms of mystery cases I was reading about. Um, but you know, it's hopefully we get there. Yeah. Um, I see the uh, the American president has come down with the virus and decided to uh, celebrate that by leaving the hospital and going for a drive around the hospital to wave at, does he have fans? I don't know, uh, but that's an interesting dude, choice. That's a really interesting choice. Here's my take on that. Imagine if getting... Scott Morrison had done that. No. I just, if Scott here's Morrison my... had caught coronavirus and then left the hospital to drive... Like seriously. half of Australia would have been down his throat, maybe more. <laughs> exactly. Um, my, my take on that without getting too political here. Um, it's just interesting timing to me after the debate, because I watched the debate, of course. Uh, it's yes. very interesting timing to me because there were a few moments where he was basically calling people who wear masks in not so many words, but idiots. Uh, and so all of a sudden he's contracted the COVID, uh, the coronavirus. And I'm like, did he really, though, or is he just trying mm. to get sympathy votes or if he's trying to basically say, yeah, I was able to come out on top of this or like because because here's the other thing. No way are they giving the leader of the free world an experimental no. drug. I no don't way. buy that either, man. Like, I'm I'm, tr I'm sorry. I don't mean to get political here, but I just Maybe don't buy it. Maybe just here. Yeah, I don't I don't buy it. I, I don't buy it. I don't think he has it. I, I think it's um, I think oh, it's wow. just a. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think the timing is too much of a weird uh, coincidence. I, I think he's just trying to get some kind of, he's trying to get back on the side of the people that he would have pissed off at that debate when he was talking about masks and, and COVID and everything. That's all, all I'll right. say about that. We will, we will steer away <laughs> from that because we know the Secret Service has you on speed dial. And we want to try and yeah. have them not track you down any further. So, so let's I, start talking. I, I don't I'm know if I'm going to keep this in. I might actually censor all this out. Who knows? Maybe, I'll, maybe you know what? Maybe we'll form a Patreon and all that stuff will go on the Patreon. Who knows? Done. Done. All right. <laughs> let's let's keep you away from house arrest or whatever it is. Uh, so I guess yeah, it's talking now to the London Marathon, um, <clears throat> yeah. which, is, which also ironic timing um, on a day in which London recorded its highest number of COVID reported infections since the pandemic Amazing. began. Um, mm -hmm. We had the very best of the world competing in the 2020 London Marathon run in very unique circumstances in the bio bubble uh, at King's Park. Uh, they were running a 19.6 lap circuit around Kings Park. Kings Park. I didn't. Firstly, I'd, I've never been to London before. I don't know if you've been there before. Uh, I've been to the wife airport. Lived, yeah, my wife lived there for a few years, and they were showing this Kings Park, and then they'd zoom out, and I'd be like, all the landmarks I know of London are like right next to each other. There's right. Buckingham Palace. There's the big wheelie thing. There's Big Ben. They're all like five minutes apart from each other. So if you uh, had watched the London Marathon, you would have seen all of the heavy hitters that you would have known from. Uh, in terms of uh, the London Marathon. Um, yeah. But it was, firstly, you didn't get a chance to see it live, did you? 
No, unfortunately, I thought I was going to be able to record it and then watch it, but I, I just didn't get a chance to. Um, so I had to basically follow along after the fact with the highlights and newsreels and stuff, which I was really kind of disappointed with. But, you know, because every marathon for the last three years I've watched um, on Foxtel as it played out, but they didn't have it this year. No, playing. it was a pain in the butt to watch live. So this was my experience. I had done some research and someone had said, oh, if you want to watch it live in Australia, the only official way you can do it is via this thing called FlowTrack. Mm. And FlowTrack is going to cost you $12.50 is what they said. And FlowTrack is a streaming service that does some really obscure like college sports, lots of athletic sports. They'll do things like bouldering championships and whitewater rafting. And they're, they're kind of like, like those. A, it's kind of like the Ocho from Dodgeball. Yeah, it's really left of center type, niche type sports. But if you are yeah. like a massive fan of like some college football team, that's probably your only way to get it. Right and on. so I was like, okay, cool. $12.50, I'll pay that. That's not a problem. But then someone said, oh, there's this feed that's happening over here you can go watch bbc um stream of the event through this feed and i went okay cool that's no problem jumped on there started watching it for the women's race and it was a really choppy feed like it kept dropping out now and again oh, and so i wasn't too happy with it and then i had a look at it and went oh this is also only going to be for the women's race because when it gets to the men's race, it swaps from BBC two to BBC one. And so this feed won't work for the men's race. So now I have to find another feed for the men's race. So then I'm jumping around and I'm on a Kenyan uh, Facebook page because apparently it was free to air in Kenya because of all the Kenyan runners. And so a Kenyan Facebook page was trying to stream it, but again, it was, it was choppy quality and it wasn't working for me. Then I'm on YouTube and the YouTube I was on got shut down. It was just turning into a whole debacle. So I went back to this flow track thing to try and subscribe to that. The $12.50. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, you would think that like they would make it so much easier to watch because of the fact that nobody could go like, I don't know there what hasn't been another there hasn't been a, ma a world marathon since Japan in March, no, which was like the last you, one they did. Yeah, like to at least get people excited, you would think that they would have made it easy as hell to watch it. But yeah, I mean, so I, I, I guess go, they didn't think about it. So I go back to the flow track one. The twelve dollar fifty a month price is only if you pay for an entire year up front. If oh, you pay man. for an entire year up front, then you get it for twelve dollars fifty. If you want one month, Andrew, it's twenty nine ninety nine, which I'm like. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess 30 bucks. What was, you know, on Disney Plus, the new Mulan movie that came out, that was 30 bucks to get. All right, no problem. I'll pay for that. No, no, no. That's in American dollars. For me, I was going to ask, cost, is that US dollars? Was that, that cost 40 me bucks? $44 to get All the stream right. of the London Marathon event. And I turned it on and there was no commentary. Oh. And it was just watching for the first hour and a half of the women's marathon. It was literally, I was listening to the motorbike drive beside them as the women ran. So I could occasionally hear the commentators in the background as they Jesus. ran past things like that. But for the rest of the time, I was sitting there going, I've paid $44 for this. Well, you can then, now claim that on your tax because you work for Breaking the Barrier. This is true. I have Breaking the Barrier on my LinkedIn profile, so I can do that, of course. Do you really? Um, nice. I do actually, yeah. Awesome. Um, but then with half an hour to go in the women's marathon, suddenly in came the BBC feed. We had the commentators. And from that point onwards, it was good. It was really stable connection. It was good commentary. Uh, it, it was a good feed. It was probably in the end worth the $44 to not have to go jumping to Pirate Bay YouTube channels and Facebook feeds for about an hour. Uh, trying yeah. to jump around so yeah so that's that's how i managed to sit there and watch it drank a couple of beers 
uh, and enjoyed it. Uh, it was a it was a nice little five hours or so of sitting down watching some long distance athletics that we haven't seen for ages. No, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, and so it started off with the the conditions over in London very similar to what they were like here in Melbourne last night. So it was about five fifteen last night that it started, and yeah, I got to tell you because this weekend also would have been the Melbourne Marathon. It was it was meant to be I'm Melbourne this year. So glad that the Melbourne Marathon did not go ahead because the weather for it this weekend would have sucked. Yeah, it was hot on Saturday and it was humid and windy on Sunday morning and it rained all afternoon on Sunday itself, yeah. Uh, We kind of dodged one with that, yeah. Yeah. But it it was very similar. Like it started off in the dark over in London. Uh, It got light very, very quickly. Like within 10 minutes they were running in daylight. They started off in the dark. They started off in the rain. Uh, A lot of the women had beanies and gloves and jackets on all the way through. Uh, And, you know, the weather kind of stuck around for most of the day. There was actually a bit of hail at one point during the women's race, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a little bit interesting. But, yeah, not the greatest conditions. And they think a lot of that contributed to what we saw in terms of the performances and the times over the course of the day. Even They even got into the nuances of you're running on a road surface that is very wet and you're running in these road shoes that are very high stack height. And so sure. there's, you really have to trust your rubber when you're going around corners. And there was one of the corners on this course was quite sharp. It was yeah. almost a 90-degree corner. And they said that's the one where people just wanted to be a little bit careful that they didn't slip. Thankfully, we didn't see any accidents, but people were definitely thinking about it is what I heard. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Mm. So the, the women headed off. And their pace at the start was very good. At one point, they thought the women's only marathon was a chance here. And that's probably something that was different about London is normally London is 45,000 people all Mm. competing together. They obviously have the elites at the very front of the waves. But then once the elites have gone off through come 44,000 people after them, because they were running in the smaller events, they ran the women on their own and then they ran the men on their own. And Mm. that means that the women were a chance for the women's only marathon world record, which is different to the women's marathon world records. As we learned a few episodes ago, um, there is two different women's marathon world records. There's one where they run with the men and they can get the, uh, I guess the pacing of the men or the advantage of following the men. And that's where I think that's where the fastest run in a marathon by a woman was set, um, which was two hours and 14 versus the women's only record is two hours, 18 or thereabout. So they thought that there was a real chance to go for the women's only record, even with conditions. Um, But unfortunately they sort of lost it a little bit in the middle part of the race and they didn't end up getting that. But it it ultimately came down to for a a large part of it, it was between uh, two Kenyans, so Koskai and Chep Negedich were the two Kenyans who were up the front of the race for, you know, 38, 39 kilometres, just going side by side. Basically, you know, side by side, they looked almost identical. It's only after you watch them for about two hours that you start to notice slight micro differences in the way they were running, like where their hands were positioned and how their shoulders yeah. moved. Because from the waist down, they're just machines. It's the same, just yes. So economical. It's amazing to watch. Like, I love watching marathon, like elite marathon runners because the mechanics and the the economy is just like, it's amazing. They make it look so easy. Yeah, they it's were not, obviously, but yeah. it's incredible. Koskai had this interesting thing where one of her hands went low and one of her hands went high. Like she wasn't pumping like a like a train okay. side by side. She kind of had a little bit of asymmetry to the way that her arms met. But uh, Chep Negedich was just 
in the groove. She just locked into a routine and then just did it again and again and again. It was, it was breathtaking to watch. Yeah. Um, and it was only with, I think, probably, you know, the 39-kilometer mark um, that Koskai kicked away from Chepnogetic uh, and really took off uh, to go ahead and end up winning the race. Now, she's only 26 years old. And for her to, she has skipped that traditional route that we see with marathoners of, they start off as fast 5,000 meter runners and then they go to the 10,000 meters and they progress. She's just skipped all of that and has gone, right, I'm going straight at 26 to become the fastest female marathon runner in the world. I, you know what, if you're going to do it, you might as well just start at the top. Amazing. Amazing. So that's her second uh, London marathon in a row that she's won there. Um, so well done to her. The actual race of the women's marathon was the race for second. Uh, so I don't know if you saw this in the highlights, but Chet yeah. who had been running with uh, Koskai for so long in the event, performing really, really well, uh, lost, uh, you know, dropped off from the, the front of the race. Koskai went off and won. And then Sarah Hall, an American, just did an amazing run came from fourth position all the way through, went past a, uh, a lady who was running in third, found herself in third position, Sarah Hall, and with a, with a lap to go, she was still 40 seconds or so behind Chep Nagedic, and the run she put on in it that last lap. I did see the clip of that. It was awesome. Astonishing. Caught her on the corner. You know, Chep Nagedic comes around the corner. Then a second later, Hall comes around the corner. You've got Buckingham Palace as the backdrop. You've got water splashing up from their feet as they stride through. And Hall goes roaring past Chep Nagedic on the last 400 meters to win going away. Just an astonishing run. Amazing. Well, you know, a fun fact about Sarah Hall is, aside from the fact that she's from America, she's actually a Generation UCAN athlete. She fuels with Generation UCAN. So... We'll take a second right now to talk about Generation You Can. So obviously Generation You Can is that nutrition that I use and, well, more importantly, Sarah Hall uses for that steady, long-lasting energy, which comes from their patented super starch formula. It helps utilize fat as fuel rather than carbohydrates, giving you a longer and steady energy to burn. So if you want to avoid that crash, that bonk, if you want to have your chance to run with the elites, you visit generationucan.com.au and use the coupon code Breaking the Barrier for 10% off your first order. Boom. Yep. <laughs> yep. Don't be like Chip Nagedic. I mean, be like Chip Nagedic. She's still the third fastest. She's still pretty in the good. World. She's still really good. <laughs> um, but be like Hall because she's second. Um, what's really interesting about Sarah Hall, though, that race, that amazing race, she still will not be in the American Olympic team because the American Olympic team was picked earlier in the year oh. based on the original timing of the London Olympics. Sure. And so she is now rounding into form and who knows what will happen between now and when London actually exists. I mean, I personally think they should scrap all the people who have qualified already and almost let them requalify because well, you know, so much can change. It's, it's really interesting that it's a very interesting point because last year, um, or actually at the start of this year, I auditioned for a theatrical piece, um, and the obviously not the the show did not go ahead and the casting director basically wrote to everybody who auditioned look we have cast the show but the show's not going to go ahead um we will not hold the positions for this casting you'll have to re-audition again when we just when if and when we put the show on because things change you might be in a different place 
you might not be at your best performance. So even from a from an acting perspective, it's interesting to see that that mindset hasn't been sort of taken into effect mm-hmm. with the Olympics because you're right, like a lot can happen. I don't know that it's fair. I don't know that it's not fair, but I certainly think it's one of those things that maybe they need to think about is will people need to requalify? Well, if they do Japan in June 21, you're telling me that we're going to take people who qualified in April 20 to go into June 21. That's over a year difference. Yeah. So, you know, Sarah Hall earlier this year wasn't at the Olympic standard. She definitely is now based on the run she just did in London. So it's going to be really interesting. They're actually talking uh, about whether or not the Brits have had so many people run an Olympic qualifying time this year in the women that they might actually have to do uh, something similar to the Americans, which is the Americans run on a, you know, America has so many people who run the qualifying standard that they actually get them all to come together. And it's first past the post. The first Mm. three people on the day of the Olympic qualifiers are the ones that go to the Olympics. And they're now saying that, you know, London being the Brits, they're a little bit different. They do the whole democracy type thing. And they're thinking they might just go to that as well. Just have them all turn up. And on the day, away you go. It's a little bit like Hunger Games. And if you make it, you make it. And if you don't, have a cup of tea, move on. Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) Cool. Um, (laughs) Finally, just just finishing up with the women. Two other athletes, so Molly Seidel, um, who was the darling of those Olympic trials earlier in the year, she finished sixth in the London Marathon in her second ever marathon. So we spoke about her a few episodes uh, earlier in the year. Um, She, in her first ever marathon, qualified for the Olympics. Uh, In her second ever marathon, she's finished sixth in London. And then, not bad. I think she's got some form. I think she's got some talent there. She's still very young. She's still yeah. in college in America. So, you know, that puts her at what, sub 22, sub or so. So, still yeah, quite young. 20. And then Sinead Driver, uh, Sinead Diver, sorry, of Australia, she finished in eighth. So, hey. you know, she was the lady who won the Australia, the Melbourne Marathon in 2019 when it was run. So, yeah. So, it was, it was, it was excellent. My, when I said to my wife, oh, I want to watch the marathon. She's like, well, what time is it on? I said, oh, well, the women's is on at 5.15 and the men's is on at 8.15. She's like, okay, so we've got some time until the men's. And I'm like, no, I really want to watch the women's. And I'm, it was amazing. It was just yeah. fantastic to see. Um, it was really interesting because they were lapping some of the other competitors. We, we said that when we were talking That's about right. this That's event right. is that because you're on this you know, 2.5 kilometer course, some of them were going to get lapped and they were lapping. Like they lapped a woman who just missed out on setting the South African world rec- national record. So wow. all, like by a couple of seconds, she almost set the fastest time ever for a South African runner. And she was lapped by Koskai and Hall and Chepnagetich and everything. And these were just, and, and the commentators were saying, hey, why would you bother running if you've been lapped? Well, because you've got a chance to send the national record for your yeah. country. So that's why you go after it. So we, we didn't see it quite as much in the men. The men didn't quite um, uh, lap each other quite so much. Yeah, a few well, of the women some... dropped out more so as well. So, yeah. Interesting, interesting, um, interesting times in the men's. Uh, interesting facts leading up to the men's, unfortunately, for uh, Kenenza Bekele. Yes. You know, uh, so there you go. So Kenenza Bekele was the great rivalry. We were hoping to see him and Elliot Kipchoge in the men's 2020. You have to say virgin money. London Marathon. You can't just say Virgin London Marathon. You can't just say London Marathon. You have to always say Virgin Money London Marathon. I think I 
I heard them say virgin money probably about 300 times on the broadcast. The other thing I heard is that one of the commentators apparently in her past had run in the Doha marathon and she started to compare every single thing that happened in these races to the Doha oh, marathon. Give I mean, me a break. runners are pretty obnoxious at the best of times. We never pass up the opportunity to mention that we're runners or mention that we ran in a marathon. And it was nice to hear, even at the elite commentary levels, this yeah. lady still had to humble brag on the time she went to the Doha uh, event but anyway yeah. um but yes yeah, so so the men's marathon unfortunately the kelly pulled out what three days before the three event days before yeah um and the lesson there was he didn't take his taper seriously he uh did two speed sessions a little too close together a little too close to the event and he picked up a calf niggle and he just knew that you know a calf niggle meant he could probably still go run a 230 um pretty easily but he wasn't but going to be point? able yeah. to run at the front of the pack so why yeah. bother save yourself i mean i guess at that level you have to figure well if i don't if, if there's not really a chance that i'm going to win or come in the top two even what's the point i mean mm. it's just basically a waste of, i mean it's yeah i guess at an elite level it's just a waste of time i mean yeah. we've seen it of course before a few years back in boston when the weather was just shocking how many elites pulled out of that because it was just like you know what i'm not going to push myself for something that's not going to come to fruition yep I mean, when you're talking about the very best of the very best, it really is win or go home. Set yeah. a world record or go home. There's yeah. other competitors in the event, like the lady in the women's who was trying to set a national record. And anytime you can do a run that's a PB, that's worth doing. But for the very best of the very best, it is win or go home. That no, kind of you, is the point of it. Yeah. Um, what was So what was really amazing was, I don't know if you looked at, there was a lot of shoe talk. There's a lot of shoe commentary. Yeah. It was a sea of pink Nikes. You called it. Yeah. They were everywhere. They were yeah. everywhere. I would say 90% of the top half of the race were wearing pink Nikes. Uh, the only one, ironically, who wasn't wearing pink Nikes was Elliot Kipchoge, who was wearing a white pair. Didn't go well for him. No, not at all. So um, what we saw in the men's marathon, again, they started off a little bit later. The weather was a little bit better for them, not quite as drizzly. And straight away, you saw the split form. There was a yeah. pack of 12 runners at the start, dominated by Ethiopians and Kenyans, um, with Kipchoge and the Pacers. They had Pacers throughout the thing. Um, and I didn't realize the Pacers are paid by the event to go out there. They run between 20 and 25 kilometers or so at a certain pace. Um, yeah. And at the half hour mark, Kipchoge was telling them to go faster. He felt like the pace was a little bit too slow. They were running quite comfortably. And he was like, nope, come on. I want you to pick up the pace here and, and try and step it up a little bit because they were running overall, I think, for a PB of about that 207, 208. And Not this, good enough. <laughs> no, this London course had originally been thought about as what they would do the breaking two in. So before, oh, sure. they, picked, before they picked Vienna, they thought about doing it here. So it's a flat course. It's a really good course. But they decided that the Vienna weather was a little bit more reliable yeah. than London, which, as we saw, it was raining and hailing, so probably not a bad thing. Um, but, yeah, straight away uh, in the London Marathon, there was a split. And then, you know what, it was pretty boring for the middle half of the race. It, they weren't running super fast um, by their standards. Um, they were just kind of trotting away. There was no breaks. It was... You know, the commentators were talking about a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, they were talking about how none of the records in this event would have counted against the London Marathon uh, course records normally because London is normally a course-to-course -course event. And yeah. so this being on a lapped circuit, it, it was really, a, you know, the COVID has put a freak event in for us. So sure. there was a bit of commentary about that. But, but honestly, 
probably the only thing I talk about it was, you know, they talked about for people at home, they talked a lot about the shoes. They talked about the most efficient way to run a marathon. They were saying, hey, we're getting really even splits here. But then they were saying that the splits are so slow in terms of the pace they were doing for kilometer. Were we going to see a big kick at the end? Yeah. Um, it was just a whole bunch of sitting around waiting for the middle part of the race. It was actually quite boring. I don't know if you picked up on that through the highlights when you watched them this morning. Yeah, well, I did see that it was kind of um, uh, stagnant throughout the way. And that's kind of what I thought. I, I, I had a feeling that because it was the course that it was laid out the way that it was and there was no crowds or atmosphere, I felt like it wasn't going to be an explosive marathon, that there was not going to be that much, you know, uh, for lack of a better word, happening. <laughs> Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. And then around about, I think probably the hour 20 mark, that's when the last of the paces dropped out. And that's suddenly when the racing happened. Suddenly we started to see some surges where a couple of people started to push out and yeah. started to notice people drop around. Um, but at half an hour to go, everyone thought, right, Kipchoge, he's just biding his time. You know, he's just going to wait there. Everyone was saying that they thought the finish would be around about a 2.06 or something like that. And then with 15 minutes to go, all of a sudden people are throwing their hands up going, what's happening here? Because Kipchoge started to struggle. You know, yeah. the, the man who has only lost one marathon in his career to this point started to really struggle. He started to get dropped. Um, and with 10 minutes to go in the race, he was off the back of that leading six. Uh, he, had, he had been well and truly dropped. Uh, it turned out after the event that he said that from about the 15-kilometer mark, his ear was blocked. Yeah. And so he picked up a blocked ear, which once your ear is blocked, it starts to affect your breathing and all that sort of stuff and your balance. He also said he had a bit of a hip problem, a bit of a cramp. It just seems like it wasn't his day physically. Um, no. And so he was trying to push through, but it just wasn't his day, which is no. unusual because we've never seen him run any slower than a 205, 204, 203. So no. him to even be on pace for a 206, he ended up finishing in eighth spot in 208. It's just amazing. It's just yeah. such a drop-off from what we thought it would be. I kind of, like I said a few episodes ago, that's how I thought it was going to go. Like, I, I, I thought that he was going to, like, not have a great race. But I kind of thought it was because of things like maybe he just wouldn't have that same fire because he had accomplished so much. But it sounds like he was just not having a good day. Yeah, what they've always said that in the races he's run and won, he hasn't had a great finishing kick at the end. He's not yeah. like Mo Farah, who will, when we saw Mo Farah do that hour trial a couple of weeks sure. ago, he ran at a consistent pace for 59 minutes, and then with a minute to go, he kicked. That's never been Kipchoge's style. Kipchoge's style has been to go out there and set a relentless pace all the way through the middle of the race, so by the time he gets five kilometers out, it's him and no one else, or yeah. it's him and someone trying to hold on. Here, yeah. with five, six kilometers to go, he was in a pack of eight you know, with everyone still looking quite good. And he was the one looking around. He was grimacing. You know, he was trying to smile his way through it and it just wasn't working. So yeah. uh, he was gone. He was he was dropped off. So with, with more than a lap to go, he was off the back uh, by a long way. Like he ended up finishing two minutes behind the winners. And then it became, it very quickly got down to a final four with one Kenyan and three Ethiopians uh, running that final lap. Uh, and so the ones that was there was a, they were all in Nike gear except for Kipchumba. So Kipchumba was dressed in Adidas, although his shoes looked like the Nike Vaporflies, I'm going to be honest. Right. Um, okay. So he had a big Adidas top down the bottom, but his shoes looked the same as everyone else. Shady. Um, 
It did indeed. And then eventually what it came down to was Kipchumba and Katata. Uh, so both being, um, uh, both being, I believe, Kipchumba is a Kenyan and the rest yep. of them were Ethiopians. And so Katata, the Ethiopian, looked like he'd been taken with about 200 metres to go. Kipchumba, a much bigger runner, much taller, yeah. much longer stride. Um, but he got out in front with about 200 metres to go and then Katata just took him down. They ended up actually getting awarded at the same time. They finished so quickly that they yeah. got an uh, award at the same finishing time, the two of them. But Katata, uh, who finished second in last year's London Marathon, ended up winning it this year. Um, but yes, extremely slow times. Um, Katata finished, I think it was two to three minutes slower than his personal PB. They yeah. finished four to six minutes slower than the world record for the men's. Um, and same with the women's. The women finished six minutes slower than they expected, which is a lot. Like we're talking about in that sort of racing, that's a lap. They're almost yeah. a lap slower than yeah. they would have been. Well, I mean, go to, to the finish line of any race and wait for six minutes and you'll see, you'll feel exactly how long, and see how many people cross that line. You'll know how long six minutes is. Exactly, but it was just good to have some racing back. To be honest, I mean, yeah. you know, it was it was nice to all of the Abbott's main marathon events this year haven't happened. We didn't get Boston, we didn't get Chicago, we didn't get New York, we didn't get Berlin. We got London in you know safe COVID safe environment, uh, and yeah. we got Japan earlier in the year, and that's it. So it was just exhilarating to actually even i'll be honest the bekelly kipchoge draw card was the reason why we were all so excited that not happening didn't even happen, was a disappointment yeah. kipchoge not blowing the the barn doors off was also disappointing even though yeah. we didn't expect it but you know for me it was 44 dollars well spent um and you know not a bad way to spend five or six hours on a sunday afternoon no that's awesome great recap man like that's really exciting notes. yeah i mean i i can for those of you who don't know Zach very well, I mean he takes notes. Like the first time that Zach was on the podcast, he had, he had a and he had an iPad full of notes when I was interviewing him, which was awesome. Um, which is great because you know, if, I mean, especially not to do any work. Yeah, this is why this is why I have Zach so I can just talk about whatever and Zach can do the work. Um, so, so what would have been uh, New York would have been what next week week after? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then Berlin would have or Berlin. Berlin uh, Boston, would have been earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah. Boston is early next year, possibly. Correct. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I mean, lots of people did go and do. So uh, the Virgin Money London Marathon also did a virtual event. So forty-five thousand runners. Yeah. Forty-five thousand runners doing virtual. So I know Jenna, who's a runner who runs with us. She went out and did her two hours outside uh, on the Sunday, and then went and ran laps around her backyard. To Crazy. finish, which is just nuts, absolutely yeah. nuts. It's astonishing, Jenna, if you're listening to this. Um, but yeah, lots of people went out there and did that. And so, yeah, I know Melbourne uh, also had a similar idea to that in terms of getting people to run virtually. Gold Coast mm. has done that, uh, Great Ocean Road. So lots of the events are looking for virtual type things. Um, they are motivational. My advice to anyone wanting to get out there and try and get involved in an event, yeah, a virtual is a good way to do uh, get some motivation, yeah. but don't spend too much money. Like it's yeah. it's not the same as a normal event. So make sure you you know you get some value for your dollars there. But but yeah. if you can't afford to do it, there's some race directors out there who are really struggling. So if there's a particular race director you support, I know with Trails Plus they've got uh, they're thinking about doing a virtual event, and so I'll definitely be entering that just to you know throw some shekels their way and keep them going. 
Um, nice. So if there's a race director who's been good to you in the past, if they've got a virtual event, you know, jump in and do it. Look after do it. Do it. Absolutely. Mm. Great. Great. So that's all I had, Andrew. What did anything else you wanted to talk about before we break? Or no, no I was just happy to listen. I, I enjoyed listening to the London recap. Um, you know, uh, I think I, I just hope that we can figure out a way to to get more, you know, uh, in person races. But until then, it's great to at least support the virtual races that are happening for the elites and to keep the sport going. Because you know, as Zach just said, you know, th- this isn't just a tough time for businesses and uh, organizations um that that are within the box but uh, with outside the box you know places like race events and race organizers you know the more support that they can have from us even better so you know hopefully that 44 dollars that zach spent on watching the race goes to a good cause <laughs> yeah fingers crossed <laughs> indeed yeah. but uh, other than that yeah you, oh no did i ahead. talk to you about adelaide did, did we talk about adelaide marathon last time we caught up no no, Adelaide did their marathon a couple of weekends ago. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, so, but they noticed it was much, much smaller because no sure. one obviously could travel internationally. They had for the Adelaide marathon 450 people. Oh wow! In total, that was wow. it. And by comparison, 2019 Melbourne had 7,000 finishers in the Melbourne sure. marathon. So they were saying that the Adelaide marathon did some, you know, uh, no face masks in the starting shoot. But they did uh, like five-second sends-offs. So they set you off in groups of three to five every five seconds. And so it was like phased wave starts. And obviously chip times. So you go based on chip time. So you don't need to have the gun start. But it took them still with, you know, 450 people, 10 or 12 minutes to get everyone off. Now, if you tried to do that with a much bigger event... Uh, a couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, remember when we when, when we first had COVID come in and LA was talking about doing the, the Los Angeles Marathon and That's they worked right. out that the starting shoot would have been five miles long if everyone had yeah. maintained one and a half meters social yeah. distancing. Because we I had think to, what that's you, right. Yeah. It was a bit, of a, a bit of a joke. It was, but I think people are now doing it. But what this is showing is it's only practical for events of less than, say, you know, 500 or 1,000 people. The second yeah. you get into four-figure race entries, it's just not practical. No, no. So we'll see. It's going to be really interesting to see what the next year or two brings, really. Yep. Well, fingers crossed everyone stays safe. Fingers crossed smarter people than us are locked away in a laboratory somewhere coming up with a vaccine. Uh, We don't want any of that experimental stuff. We'll save that for commanders in chief. The rest of us will take the uh, stuff that's proven before we jab it into ourselves. That's the way it works, isn't it? Yeah. I I think something like that, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, I guess, um, unless we have anything further, no? Well, I've been Andrew. I've been Zach. Thanks for listening to the podcast that hopes to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. And we will catch you next time.